Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we pray that as we think about uh, the wonderful future that you have for your people, uh, that you would give us confidence, that it might energise us and give us hope and help us to live for Jesus as we wait for that day. Uh, We pray these things in in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, It's that time of year... December, when we look back over the, uh, the last 12 months and wonder firstly what happened to the year, but secondly, I don't know whether you ever think what happened to those good intentions, uh, those New Year's resolutions. Uh, maybe January started with, this year it's going to be different, it's going to be a year of fresh starts, this is the year I'm going to read more books, work less, exercise more, lose some weight, paint the house, spend more time with the kids, save for a house, work on the marriage, whatever it might be, uh, all sorts of fresh starts that we think about in January. So as we get to December, let me ask you the question, how did it go? Uh, How did uh, those good intentions, those uh, New Year's resolutions go? If you're anything like me, probably about the same they do every year. The fresh start lasts perhaps until the end of January if you're lucky. It seems to me as a general rule that's the way things are, isn't it? We don't have the willpower, we don't have the strength to really make a fresh start. Self-improvement only seems to be something for TV shows. Is that a depressing way to begin? Is that sort of change really possible? Can someone turn their life around? Can you really turn over a new leaf? That's the topic we're going to think about today, fresh starts. In particular, we're going to be thinking about the fresh start God has promised for this world, this messed up, broken down world. It's a world that needs more than a spring clean or a renovation. It's a world that needs a total knockdown rebuild. And what God will replace it with is a new world, a new creation, a new heaven and a renewed earth where heaven and earth are joined, where God and humans dwell together. It will be a world without the barriers and the limitations, without the built-in expiry dates. It will be a world of peace and perfection, of rejoicing and rest, unlike our world today, of course, a world that is messed up. A world of wars and murders and divorce, of poverty, disease and starvation, inequality, hatred, intolerance, earthquakes, tsunamis, floods, cancers, stroke, death. It's a world that's in a critical condition. But of course it didn't begin that way. The world God created was perfect. Everything was in harmony. All relationships were close and pure. Relationships between humanity relationships with creation, relationships with God. It was perfect. That's the way things began back in the garden. But things didn't stay that way for long. Adam and Eve chose rebellion and independence. God expels them from the garden into a world of pain and sweat and curse, all a result of their sinful independence. As we move through the Bible... Things go from bad to worse until we get to the time of Noah. Things were so bad, God decided it was time for a fresh start. 
He sends a worldwide flood to wipe out signs of life, to remove the wickedness and the sin and rebellion and his plan is to begin again through Noah, the only one who walked with God. God makes a fresh start with Noah and his family, safe inside the ark while everything else is destroyed. And God promises never again to destroy the earth with a flood. But even as big a clean-up as that, it still doesn't work. Before long, Noah and his family have messed things up again. Genesis chapter 9 is a sordid little tale that would fit in well with the bold and the beautiful if you want to look it up later. And it just goes to show that even with Noah, the best of the best, fresh starts can't stick. As long as we look for the solution inside ourselves, it's never going to work. It'll never produce the lasting, permanent change we long for. Genuine change is only possible when it comes from outside ourselves, when it begins with God. As we move through the Old Testament, we get hints of that. God makes other fresh starts, but people mess things up again. They're incapable of living the way God wants. They're incapable of following him. Jump forward to Egypt. God's people are slaves. He miraculously brings them out. He rescues them. He gives them a fresh start. But within days, they're complaining about the menu. They're making idols to worship. And when they finally make it to the border of the promised land, they can't trust God. And so they have to practice in the desert for another 40 years. And then when they finally make it into the land, for the next thousand years we see this ongoing cycle of sin and rebellion, of God being patient and then punishing them and then the people repent and they try harder and they fail again and God punishes them and finally God sends them into exile. They're away from God again. And God longs for the day when he can break that pattern, when he can step in to break the destructive, repetitive cycle of forgiveness and failure and forgiveness and failure. Jeremiah 31, he promises, the time is coming when I'll make a new covenant with the house of Israel. I'll put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. Ezekiel 36, he promises, I will give you a new heart and I will put a new spirit in you. I'll put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees. You see, the solution has to begin with God. Fresh starts can't come from ourselves. Another of the prophets in Isaiah, Isaiah 59, he explains what the problem is. It's human nature. Isaiah 59 verse 2, Your iniquities have separated you from God. Your sins have hidden his face from you, so he will not hear. Your hands are stained with blood, your fingers with guilt. Your lips have spoken lies. Your tongue mutters wicked things. What's the use of God continuing to give us fresh starts if we can never make anything of them? If we make the same mistakes over and over again? Sounds a bit like my New Year's resolutions. The solution has to begin with God himself. Verse 16 of Isaiah 59 
the Lord looked and was displeased that there was no justice. He saw that there was no one. He was appalled that there was no one to intervene. So his own arm worked salvation for him. His own righteousness sustained him. He put on righteousness as his breastplate, the helmet of salvation on his head. He put on the garments of vengeance and wrapped himself in zeal as in a cloak. This is God saying to himself, if you want a job done properly, do it yourself. God says, I can't see any justice. I can't see any righteousness on earth. I'm going to have to bring it. He's going to bring salvation to do what we can't do for ourselves. How's he going to do that? Well, in Isaiah 53, he promises. He promises to send a servant, a servant who will carry our sorrows who will be struck by God and pierced for our transgressions, whose punishment will bring us peace, whose wounds will bring us healing. God promises to send a servant who will deal with sin, who will be the means for a genuine and a lasting and a real fresh start. Of course, he's talking about Jesus. 500 years before his birth, Jesus, who was sinless because he was fully God, but fully human as well, the only person who never needed a fresh start, the only one able to bear the punishment for another's sin. And so Jesus is the one who is able to offer a genuine fresh start. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17. The Apostle Paul preached about Jesus and the offer of a fresh start and he says, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone. The new is come. Genuine change is possible. The key is to be in Christ. Belong to him. Connected to him. Attached to him. So that you can claim the benefits that Christ himself has earned. It's about joining yourself to Jesus because it's Jesus who brings us back to God the way we were to begin with. Paul goes on in verse 18, all of this, it's from God who's reconciled us to himself through through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. God offers us a fresh start. Through Jesus he forgives our sin, he wipes the slate clean so we can stand before him clean and restored and forgiven the way we were designed, the way we were meant to be, in a way we could never do on our own. Just the way God had promised and longed for in the prophets. And when we do that, God gives us his spirit to make all sorts of other changes that flow from that reconciliation. Changes that involve letting Jesus be king in every part of our life, king in our thoughts and our actions, king in our jobs and our possessions, king over our ambitions and our goals, kings over our marriages and our families, king over our priorities and our plans, king over our wallets and our stomachs and our eyes and our ears. 
God begins in us a work of a fresh start that actually lasts, that works, that's genuine because God gives us a new heart to go with the good intentions. He gives us a new power. He gives us his spirit at work in us just like God had promised in the prophets. For those of us who've experienced that power, our testimony, I think, often is it's change that isn't immediate or easy, but it is real. We're not perfect overnight. We're a work in progress, but we are in progress. That's us. You might have thought, where's David going with this? I thought we were talking about heaven. I thought we were talking about the new heaven and the new earth. Well, the reality is, it's not just us God is going to give a fresh start to. His plan is to do the same thing for his creation. He's going to give it a fresh start as well. We actually see it first in Isaiah. God promised a fresh start for us through his suffering servant in Isaiah. But a few chapters further on, in chapter 65, he promises a whole new place for that fresh start to inhabit not just a new nature for people but a new way of relating to him and a new nature. Uh, Chapter uh, 65 verse 17 we read God promising I will create new heavens and a new earth the former things will not be remembered nor will they come to mind but be glad and rejoice forever in what I will create for I will create Jerusalem to be a delight and its people a joy. I'll rejoice over Jerusalem and take delight in my people. Look what won't be there. The sound of weeping and crying will be heard no more. Never again will there be an infant who lives but a few days or an old man who does not live out his years. He who dies at a hundred will be thought a mere youth. He who fails to reach a hundred will be considered accursed. So I think that's the Old Testament way of talking about eternity, uh, to say long life. Uh, There'll be no more pain or sickness or death and if we jump down to verse 23, we read what else won't be there. There'll be no toil in vain. Uh, They won't bear children doomed to misfortune. They'll be a people blessed by the Lord. Before they call, I will answer. While they're still speaking, I will hear. There'll be no delay between the request and the answer. It comes like that. It comes before we speak. The wolf and the lamb will feed together. The lion will eat straw like the ox, but dust will be the serpent's food. There'll be peace. There'll be fullness. Frustration and disaster, warfare and enemies, all of it will be gone. The things that have been in this world since Adam and Eve, and they'll be replaced with blessing. They'll be replaced with peace and life. Eternity will be God's children, fresh and renewed, with restored, perfect bodies, living in a restored new creation. It'll be a home that measures up to the glory of the new people. It'll be a physical world. There'll be tastes and touches There'll be work to be done and rest to be enjoyed. 
God and humanity and nature interconnected again. It's the goal, it's the target that this world has been headed for since the day he created it. We can't be sure exactly what that new world will be like. We do get some pictures. And so we have a whole lot of debate. Well, is it, are they metaphors? Are they real? Is it really going to be a city? Is it really going to be a river? Is it really going to be a banquet? But they're pictures. Revelation 21 that Jenny read for us earlier. Uh, Listen to how John describes what he saw. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. Does it sound familiar? Just like Isaiah 65. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. There was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. Uh, Two images about what it will be like Uh, Revelation describes two women and two cities. You've got the harlot or the whore of Babylon and you've got the new Jerusalem and the bride and they're the complete opposite of each other and they're the people of the world and the people of God. The two images are of a perfect city, firstly. A city. Uh, The world begins with a garden and it finishes with a city. A city is is better than a garden in some ways. It's the result of cultivating and changing and looking after and growing and building. Uh, Cities are about relationships. Cities are about development and connections and fulfilling work. They're about creativities and parties. All that's good about the city. Chapter 22 describes the city as having a river flowing from God's throne that nourishes everything. Uh, including the tree of life that brings fruit to eat and whose leaves bring healing to the nations. And the city will have no street lights because God will be the light as well as the source of its water. His glorious presence will shine everywhere uh, and will guide and purify. Uh, the second image is of a wedding. Uh, God's people will be like a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. Uh, We see that in verse 2. The holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. Uh, God's people, fresh and new and pure, uh, pure in mind and body and conscience and desires and memory, uh, memories. Uh, There'll be joy as well and the celebration of the wonderful wedding reception is another part of the picture, isn't it? Not just uh, the bride walking down the aisle to meet her husband but also the celebration. Chapter 19 describes that ceremony or or that uh, wedding party. Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory for the wedding of the Lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready Fine linen, bright and clean, was given her to wear. Fine linen stands for the righteous acts of the saints. Then the angel said, Right, blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. So there's a party and there's a wedding. But John continues, it's not just a wedding, it's actually a marriage. 21 
3 to 5 we read, I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with men and he will live with them. They will be his, God, his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. The joy and the intimacy and the acceptance and the openness of an earthly marriage at its best is just a shadow of the relationship we'll have with Jesus, with God, then connected and one. Everything that's rotten about this world will be gone, just like Isaiah prophesied. He'll wipe every tear from their eyes. There'll be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. And here's the promise from God himself. He is working on the ultimate, fresh start. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. I am making it new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. That's our hope. That's the Christian confidence. That's our our goal, our dream. When we're living through the pointlessness and the pain of the present, that's the promise that's the fuel in our tank, the fire in our belly, the target we aim for. It's what gets us out of bed each morning and keeps us following Jesus when it's tough. It's the promise of this fresh start. It's a fresh start that has begun in us who belong to Jesus. And it's a fresh start that will reach its completion on that day of God's ultimate fresh start in the new creation. And I don't know about you, but I can't wait. And so I say with Paul, come Lord Jesus, come. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, uh, the shadows of this world often uh, loom over us. Uh, The noises of this world drown out the noises of eternity, your voice. Uh, Forgive us for hearing and seeing what is all around Uh, rather than seeing what you promise. You have begun a good work in us. We pray that you'll carry it on to completion in us, in your world, that you'll bring to an end all that's wrong, uh, all of the bad things will be undone. We pray that Jesus will come quickly, that he will restore and renew all things for his honour and glory. Amen.